With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. For Afrojack, this is success. Me being able to do what I want, when I want, and be okay with the repercussions. Afrojack is a world-famous Dutch DJ whose real name is Nick Fundewal. He's a hero in electronic music, but even if you're not into that scene, you've almost definitely heard a song he's made. It may have been an original or one of his many collaborations with artists like Pitbull, Nicki Minaj, and David Guetta. A collaboration with Guetta actually won him a Grammy. After 15 years of playing everywhere from small clubs to big arenas, Afrojack is now passing on what he's learned. He's the CEO of the talent management company LDH Europe and the head of his own record label. With both, he takes a hands-on approach to discovering and mentoring young DJs. One piece of advice he's giving new artists, put the hours in, even if you don't see success for years. Initially, when I got into music, I just did it for fun. I was very lucky I had a supportive family. So You were, you were really young, right? Yeah, I started music production when I was 11, just for fun. Yeah. I was a break dancer, street dancer. And when I was 14, 15, I went to the club for the first time, heard house music, and I saw like how when people are coming together and enjoying something, they're all good. And then when they go back outside and the music stops, like suddenly everyone's like fat, skinny, uh, tall, small, rich, poor, yeah. everything. Like then you get the societal issues. Well, when there's a party, it's just people having a party. So to me, it showed like, yo, there's a totally different way of maintaining a society outside of the current society we live in. So that's what got me into music initially. And then later, like you got managers, you get lawyers, you get all this business stuff going on. And you see, it's very easy to get drowned and get pulled into the back into the box. And even though your box might be music, it's still a box. And you're still limited by the expectations of your publisher, your publicist, your agent, your manager, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I learned, thank God, like a few years ago, that that doesn't make you happy. Like it'll get you successful, but it won't eventually make you happy. And actually going out of the box and just like doing stuff you like, even though it might sound silly, that's the fun stuff. And that's also what brought me the most success. You know, I had a lot of underground records. It was very big in the underground. And then Pitbull called me. So like, yo, you want to do a record? It's like, well, yeah, but you're kind of like your commercial music, you know, and I'm underground. So, and while I was thinking this, I was like, wait, that's not really fair. So I'm going to tell Pitbull no, because he's too successful. 
It would be holding yourself back. It would be holding myself back and holding him back because he's too successful. Like, I would love to work with you. You're a very nice guy, but I can't do it because then my fans will think I'm a sellout. Wait. It's <laughs> it's the opposite, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's like the, I think the most profound business advice you could give anyone is like, really stay true to what you love to do and don't make any concessions personally. You can make them like in work, you can strategize, but don't lie to yourself. Know, know what you're doing and know what's real. Yeah. And you said that you, you came to this realization a few years ago. What happened a few years ago with that? Well, it, it, I think it was like the biggest mistake of my career, the, the biggest mistake of my career. Not necessarily like, oh my God, my life changed, but by, by far one of the biggest songs I ever made that I didn't put my name on. So David Geta sent me an email, and we were working on Titanium. It was a tremendous hit for me, yeah, but huge, I never put my song, name yeah. on it. But it's not like David took the record and ran. It's like David emailed me. He said like, hey, so the song is done. You want to do David Geta on Afrojack featuring Sia, Titanium? And I said like, nah, it's too much of a song for me, you know? Like, I'm more cool and underground, so you oh, just, you it would be you just do out. it with Sia. Yeah. And then like the song took off and everyone went crazy and then all my interviews they started asking me about it. I was like, yeah, it's kind of silly. So me making a decision out of fear for the reaction of society made me, made me make the less successful decision and the not real decision. Because the real decision would be like, well, yeah, I worked on it. Of course, I want my name on it. I want people to know what I do. I had fun working on it. It wasn't like I was like, oh, my God, it's pop music. No, like I, I loved it. I learned so much. So, yeah, I think like that email and like I still like I still want to print the email and like put it in my studio so I can use it as a lesson for other artists. But that's definitely like the biggest mistake I ever made in my career. And I almost made it again a few times. Really? But I think everyone makes that mistake sometimes, you know, like you just get pressured into doing something that everyone says is right. You're not sure about it, but like, well, if everyone is jumping in the ocean, let's jump in the ocean right mm -hmm. no no don't don't do it yeah maybe you're not like maybe you can't swim <laughs> and everyone already learned to swim and then yeah. you're in the ocean and you can't swim and it was like oh well if you did if you can't swim why did you jump in the ocean and you're like yeah <laughs> you know so don't jump in the ocean if you can't swim yeah and at what point in your career in these last few years did you realize that you had learned stuff that you could pass on to like a a whole new group of talent like of young djs coming up Say if you compare music industry to the food industry, and I, I figured out my way as a producer to become like a McDonald's of production, then like someone's going to do Burger King. Might <laughs> as well be me. Yeah. So that's kind of the thing. And yeah, it's not like you're creating your own competition. It's just like you're recycling your information. Like I know how to tour. Like I know how to promote i know how to i used to sell tickets for parties and stuff you know i used to be there at the door handing out flyers i used to clean up the club like i know everything about what's happening in a nightclub so if i pass on that information to a new dj and instead of walking in the nightclub and go like yo you book me i'm the guy he goes in and he says hi to the bartender hi to the security people hi to the cleaners hi to the toilet people like it's going to be a completely different vibe everyone's going to be happier and he's going to be way more appreciated so get booked more so, so all the stuff you had to learn. Yeah, basically, that's, that's all I'm doing. Like, I learned all this stuff, write a book about it. But instead of releasing the book and, like, look at my book, I'm so smart. Like, I say, like, no, you can get in my book, but you can sign here, and I'll teach you everything. 
and I can guarantee a certain level of success because I already have the network. And I think this is like, this, is, this isn't even for me like the business step to make. Like the business step for me to make would be to maintain my current career, continue focusing on my own singles, making the same amount of money every year and then growing to be old with lots of money. But I don't want to do that. I want like what I learned like by touring is like you get lonely easy and it's so much fun when you get to, how you say, redistribute the wealth. Like when I get on a private jet, it's nice. It's like, yeah, private jet. But I don't even think about it because I do it like 200 flights a year. So I get on and like I open my laptop, I get to work. But the first time I got on, I was like, oh my God, there's no security. I don't have to show my passport. I can just sit. I can have nuts. Back then I used to smoke. You can smoke on the plane? What? I thought the plane would like, if you smoke, no. Like there's all these things. And for me, the first time I was like, yeah. And then the 10th time I was like, yeah. And then the thousandth time, it's still like, okay, it's still pretty cool. And just for me to set it up, it would cost me one phone call. Mm -hmm. And you can go in the chat and you see everyone and you get to meet new fans and you get to meet a new audience. For me to do one phone call to help someone's career change or someone's life change, like that's the most fun thing there is. So you had kind of, you had become so used to kind of a, a certain level of success that even if you maintained it, you it would just feel empty? Well, it's a, it's a very funny thing which occurs across religions and across uh, different philosophies that even if you have everything, like we're, we're designed subconsciously to then start fiddling away on our own stuff. So a lot of people will probably notice as, they, as soon as they reach a level where they think like, wow, I'm actually happy right now. Like I, everything is going well. And then you're like, yeah, it gets kind of boring. No, it doesn't matter like what you do in life, but if you just had a good day at work and all your projects are finished and your, your school is good, your family is good, you just got paid and you're there on the couch. Okay, so what do I do now? And then like you start nibbling away on your own success to create a new hole to fill up because that's, that's how we're built as people. Okay, so no matter what you do in life, no matter what your business is, your business is always dependent on one very, very specific, important, complicated thing. People. Mm -hmm. People. Everyone seems to forget this. Everyone, like, if you're a microphone salesman, you're focused on the microphone. If you're a hat salesman, you're like, yeah, but this hat is so special. The pen, like, uh, sell this pen. Like, it's not about the product, it's about the consumer. But if you don't study the consumer, if you don't study people, how do you expect to become successful with anything? So what we started doing over the last five years, instead of just going like, oh, le let me sit down and make a song and hope people like it, was actually make a lot of songs and see like algorithms in it, patterns to figure out like, what, why do people like music? Instead of going like, here's a song, I hope you like it, go like, why do they like, like it? Like analyzing it like scientifically? Yes. But this, this is like a strategy that everyone's supposed to use for everything. But somehow when we need to like apply to our own life or to our hobbies or to something passionate, then it's supposed to happen organically. But when you're speaking of your work, you write a plan. If you have like an important job interview, you write a plan. You start a business, you write a plan. You got to figure out finances, you write a plan. You got to figure out the thing you love most in your life. Let's go with the flow. Let's make it happen. It will come falling out of the sky. Like, yeah. no, that's like, then you got to really sit down 
and think about it. Yeah. And when you're saying how structure is important for reaching like what you're trying to accomplish, what, what do you have set out before you right now? What do I have right now? Well, I got very lucky. So three years ago, I was in Japan, in Tokyo, for the first time. I was like, wow, everyone's so nice here. I was there with a, a man named Verbal. He's uh, the head of a clothing brand called Ambush, and he's also a chief creative advisor for a company called LDH in Japan, Love Dream Happiness. Very big management company, almost a billion-dollar company. So I met these people, and I had this idea of like, well, I'm probably crazy, but I think everyone can do anything. And then I met these people, and I met the, the main man, Hiro-san, the, the founder of that company, running an almost billion-dollar company based on artist development and the dream of basically making business, like sort of doing a, what's the program name? Shark Tank thing. Doing a Shark Tank thing for creative people and artists with very weird dreams. So to me, when I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I started doing it with my label that I already had. And we started signing artists. I started I signed Feist, who had a first like multi-platinum single. It's now touring and stuff, doing very well. Signed a couple of other artists. And then about two years ago, they said like, so how would you like to run LDH Europe? I was like, well, that's nice, but I already like I already have my company, guys. Like I can't run two companies at the same time. So they basically said, well, let's just put everything together and then start working. So now Wall Recordings is a part of LDH Europe, and I'm the head of LDH Europe. And LDH Europe main thing, my main thing is to find talented people that are motivated and willing to give up their current life for their new life. And there's this thing. I had it with one of the girls that we recently signed. I was talking to her, and she was like always like a little bit shy. And if she got shy, she was like, ah. and I told her, "Well, you like you got to stop like beating around the bush like that." And she said, "But that's just how I am." It's like, but that's not who you will be. So I told her, like, "Yo, like you're go- like right now you're a student. You're going to be a super successful artist. So you have to get comfortable with who you are, and be also being comfortable." with not really knowing how you how you are because you're a variable. So and people also forget this. Y- people are variable. So embrace the variableness and don't be afraid to change. And so you were able to take advantage of this just because of the way that you can network and the people that you meet. Um, well, of course, I built the network already. Exactly. So we yeah. have a set network. Like yeah. we have phone numbers of people that most people don't have phone numbers of. Exactly. Uh, then, of course, LDH is also very very serious business connections and creative connections and um, it's also the the fact that we're not dependent of a bank or a big investment committee because if you would go to like an investment committee and you would say like well I have this idea can you please put in 25 million they're like no <laughs> you're crazy yeah. here's 10 dollars and in my case uh, well like I'm definitely putting my money where my mouth is like all the money that I made over my career is now going into building studios uh, getting these kids apartments getting them the right teachers getting them dancing teachers getting them mental coaches like everything necessary to get them to where they want to be where they can do what they love and that's like that's the final re- financial risk I'm taking so it's kind of like you're almost like a Silicon Valley investor but like among DJs kind of like you're like incubating them yeah but I'm I'm investing in the recycling of my own information yeah, so on that, when we were talking about like how you have this network that you, it took 
years to build up and now you're passing it on to other people. I want to like kind of go back to when you didn't have that network. If someone's listening and they're like, it would be great to have these connections, but I don't have any. What do you, like, how, how do you do that in the first place? Okay, so the main thing that I base my writing people off on is when I meet them, it's like, I really want to do this, but so-and-so-and-so. And, so and, so. and then 99% of the time, so-and-so-and-so and so is not enough of an excuse not to have made it. So if you look at my situation, I was cleaning up the floors at the club. I was waiting in the DJ booth until the DJ had to go to the toilet so I could play one song. You snuck a song back. in? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went to like pick up glasses. Like I was walking around with towers of glasses through the club. Like anything I could do to be around what I love to do. If you look at the success of Justin Bieber, everyone think like, oh, Justin Bieber just was born successful. No. Scooter took Justin with his guitar to every radio station, waited sometimes three, four, five hours outside or like right by the door in the lobby, whatever, until they could please listen to him play. They don't even need to broadcast. Just please listen to this kid play. So is literally you go up to the doorstep of where you want to get a job or where you want anything. And you lay down there and you say, I'm not leaving until I get a job. Or I don't even need the job. Just listen to my story or let me prove to you, you know? So when you do that, it's a totally different ballgame. And then if you're like any good, it's everything. But the most important thing, most people say they tried everything, but they didn't try shit. It's like, yeah, so I, I really want to... I really want to become a, a DJ, okay? I've been producing for a week now, and it's not going very well. I'm like, of course not. You've been producing for a week. I started producing when I was 11. I didn't have my first song signed when I, until I was 17. And that required me first four years of production, then two years of figuring out why my songs weren't working. But it's not just like do it a lot. It's also think about why you're doing it. When you look at Cristiano Ronaldo, when you look at LeBron James, these guys, they don't just train football or train basketball. Like, oh, let me kick this ball a thousand times to make it go as right as, as well as it can be. They, they think about the strategy. They think about if I move here, where will he go? What will his reaction be? Maybe I should make a, a clock sound like a chicken to scare him off for a second and then shoot. Like strategic thinking. So it's not just like, it's not like LeBron became good by just doing this a million times. He did this a million times while thinking about how to do it the next hundred thousand times and the next hundred thousand times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's how you become great at something. And that requires you to uh, put away your pride because you will look really silly. On this notion of collaboration, like if you even wanted to give an example of what it's like when you're working with someone creatively because I think that this applies to whether it's like LDH and doing something from a business standpoint I think it's similar too to like if you were in the studio working with someone on something like what have you learned on just how to deal with people and when to like kind of hold your ego in check and then when to like push forward like what have you learned with that? Well, I think what I learned most by working in the studio with like very successful people is that like not just me, but my whole team is there. And you notice like when they just when the artist just talks to you or if they also say hello to the the rest of your team. And then ego comes into play, of course. 
So one of the most important things I, I heard from Zenism is that like it's a very serious effort to try and destroy your ego, like completely remove your ego. But ego is a human part of you, so you can't completely get rid of it. But to make it as small as possible is the best thing you can do. So I get in the studio with a great artist. He meets everyone, everyone, like he says hello to everyone. He says hello to me. We're all cool. We have the greatest sessions ever, make great music. Someone else comes in and is like, hey, yo, ah, yeah, hey, what's up, man? So nice to meet you, yeah. So let's get this thing cooking. Doesn't say hi to my cameraman, doesn't say hi to my manager, doesn't say hi to my publicist. Like, I'm already like, do I want to be affiliated with a person like this? But not just me thinking this, everyone in the room is thinking this, you know? So they might be successful, but do I rather have like this big of a company with this guy that I don't like or half as big but with a guy I really like, you know? So if, if you look from that perspective, no one's gonna work with the guy that's an asshole. So, or not necessarily be an asshole, but like has the ego or mm -hmm. thinks like he has to live up to certain expectations. So what I learned the most by working with celebrities and like very famous artists is like, not just be humble, but like f make them feel humbled. Like take care of them, take care of their people. That's what I learned. And of course, you never know who anyone is. But also, let, let's all like be very, very real. If you're nice to me, but you're not nice to my cameraman, like yeah. everyone will notice it. So don't just be nice to the people that matter. And, and so like on that note too, of like as you got bigger and you started getting into more projects and you started growing your business, the business side of things more than just the creative side of it, did you have to learn how to trust people in a new way? As in, like, now they're dealing with everything that you've created and kind of taking it into a, a business side of things? And what was that like? Mm, I did have to learn to trust some people. And it was very, very difficult uh, sometimes. But eventually it worked out. But the only reason it worked out is because we, we were completely honest and open with each other. What do I like? What don't I like? What makes me happy? What makes you happy? What do you need? What do I need? What's the goal? And that's the thing. What I keep saying to myself and to my team, like my management team and like my CEOs and stuff, is be neutral. It's not about how you feel about the situation. It's about what, good, what situation is good for the company. Because it used to be just me. Now I have all these artists signed to me and people with lives, with families, like we're providing for them. They took a risk by working for a new company. It's not gonna look good on the resume if the company fails. So then like we're responsible for all these people. So now when it comes down to what is the next step, it's like, I don't agree, man. I think that brand is whack. Like, no, it's not about what you think. It's about like, look at it neutrally. How does the artist feel? How do you feel? How does the fan feel? And then when we have all the feelings, is it good? Will it work to bring the artist where he wants to be? Will it make the brand happy? Will it bring the brand what they want to have? And make your decision based on that. Be neutral. Like, stop. I don't know how to say that. Like, the, the uh, peacock behavior or Peacocking. something. Peacocking? Yeah. St yeah. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. Like, just stop just it. Just stop flaunting. Yeah, stop because, like, yeah, flaunting yourself. Yeah. You look silly. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, the more you are involved with it personally silly you look you know how important this is for me no it's not it's not remember important. the other people that your you're kids in school with. is important 
this project isn't important. So anyone that ever says like, yeah, but this is, this project is very important for me. It's not even like, I, I'll tell you right now, and it's like probably the worst say, thing I can say if I would have shareholders, but I don't, so they can suck it. LDH isn't important. The company isn't important. My project isn't important. What's really important is that I wake up happy, that I go to sleep happy, that my mom wakes up happy, that she goes to sleep happy, my kid wakes up happy, she goes to sleep happy, and the same goes for everyone I'm working with. Of course, that is partly dependent on the success of LDH, but even if LDH would flop and Afrojack would still flourish, then I could use that to give them other jobs to still create the same amount of happiness. But happiness is not based on a billion dollar company. I can't imagine what to do with a billion dollars. Like outside of reinvesting, but then you see a lot of billion dollar companies reinvesting their money to make more money. It's like, no, make more happiness, figuring it out better. So it's prioritizing the relationships over any individual. <laughs> no, prioritizing project. life, the prioritizing lives of life. Yeah. It's very okay. easy again in this society, like everyone is always drawing success and happiness dependent of, of business success or financial success. Yet there's so many people, especially in the, like $100,000 category that are so sad because they've like, they're chasing the bag, but the bag's empty, but like they just make it pretend like the bag's really nice. So how do you define success? Happiness. I'm pretty sure like every kid is successful. Like 99% of kids up t till age 10 are super successful because their parents make everything good for them. Like everything, every day is a happy day. They go to school, they learn something. Sometimes they're a little bit sad, sometimes they're not, but they're always happy. They wake up happy, they have their mom to cuddle, they have their dad to cuddle, there's always something. Like, I think that's the goal. And like when we're on Instagram and we see these guys with boats and jets and DJ boots with 10,000 people, <laughs> like everyone's always thinking like, wow, that, that, like, I want that. They don't want that, but they think that will bring them peace of mind. Like, I actually didn't figure it out until a, a while ago. I was on some, uh, some friend's yacht, like a uh, hundred meter plus boat, which is like three, four hundred feet. I don't mm. know. Long, big boat. longest boat. Big boat. <laughs> so I'm on that boat. And for the first time, I thought like, wow, it's so cool. And I saw all the staff. You get the service, 20, 25 people, yacht life, caviar, this and that. Like, wow, this is so cool. And then I was thinking like, yeah, the cost. So you have 25 people working for you full time. And then you have the engine cost, the boat cost, the, the initial funding of the boat to buy the boat, gas, like putting the boat somewhere, cleaning the boat, insurance, the caviar costs money too. You know, the food costs money. They probably get too much food because you don't know what the clients want to eat. So they have to throw away like 80% of the food. I was just thinking like, wow. I'm so happy I don't own a boat. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd rather, like, be on a friend's boat or maybe rent one for a day or something. But, like, yo, you don't want to own a boat. So, like... You, you don't want to go through all of it. Can you imagine what you could do with that instead? But that's kind of the thing. Like, if you look on Instagram, you see all these, like, cool shoes, watches, jewelry, cool clothing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's, like, it won't change your life but they make it look like it will change your life but it doesn't it's not the clothing that makes you feel like oh that will make me happy it's the things associated with it and that's like and of course i can only say it because i can uh, because i experienced it and i cannot 
help it if you didn't experience it and don't believe me but it's like true like the the right shirt does not make you happy you know what would make me happy like not shaving like i did now <laughs> i'm so happy i'm doing interviews that's success right without, there. that's yeah. success not having to <laughs> shave for an interview because you don't need to yeah that's that's a sign of success you know me being able to do what i want when i want and be okay with the repercussions and, and we've talked about how you've learned all of these things through experience yes um it's <laughs> yes yeah. So yeah, yeah 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 exactly <laughs> and uh so what would you say looking back on it that what was the biggest challenge that you've overcome i think the biggest challenge uh no, I think I'm just lucky. I got the right information. Like I read the right books. My mind is set the right way. I don't see anything as a challenge. I've never really seen anything as a challenge. There was never a moment where you felt well, you, yeah. That so, you, like, so right yourself. now, I didn't yeah. have I didn't have like uh, a top forty sing- or a top hundred single, like in the Billboard chart for like two years. That, so su- supposedly that's a challenge to overcome. Like the label wants a better song. They want a better album. You have to do this, you have to do that. But like, like I said, this is, this is stuff from an old mentality that a lot of people still have. But if you step out of that mentality, you know, it's like, I don't really care, you know? And that's the thing. A lot of people used to ask me when I just started DJing, so like, so what are you gonna do after this? Like when it stops, you know? So like, well, it's not gonna stop. Yeah, but what if it does? Well, I, I don't know, I work at McDonald's, like I'll do normal life. Yeah, but don't you rather save that money? Why, so I can pretend to be successful and rich? So say like everyone would stop booking me right now and I would never make another dime. Oh, I'm so happy I saved my millions of dollars and so now I can still pretend to be very successful and cool. It's like, no. Yeah, be a, what's the point? Yeah. Well, I grew up on nothing. Like my mom worked her ass off and she made like what, uh, $1,200 a month, which back in that day was like enough to pay for the house and macaroni. She couldn't even afford a babysitter. She had to take me to the gym when she was like teaching classes and stuff. And I was very happy and she was very happy. So like you can have that and be happy. And you can also have what I have now and like fly private jets and be happy. And then if that's all gone, you can go back to doing what you were doing and be happy. You know, wearing wearing the latest off white or wearing this AP will not change your life. Like it's not like if I take it off, I'm like, oh, my God, life just got 2% worse. It's like, no, like I'm the same guy. I have the same family, I have the same friends, I have the same team. It won't change anything. And that's like the, I don't know how to, how to explain that message to people, but that really is like the thing that's worth most to me. And that's also why I'm happy, because I'm not afraid of losing everything. Well, thank you so much, Afrojack. Thank you. Thanks for listening to This Is Success from Business Insider. Our show is produced by Anna Mazarakis and Sarah Wyman. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer, and I'm Rich Filoni. Before you go, Afrojack's got some extra financial advice you can use on your next vacation. Going to Disneyland and spending money on Disneyland, like it's expensive, you know, like you have to take the car there, you have to park, they they charge like 50 bucks for parking or something. You go there, you park the car, ticket entry is like a hundred bucks. Then you want to buy a churro, churro's 20 bucks. It's like, you know, bankrupt for one day of Disney. But if you can do it and be okay with that, you're going to be so much happier than do it while thinking about, like, it's so expensive, you know? Or don't buy the churro. Bring your own churro from yeah. home, <laughs> really. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not going to change the experience. Coming up on the podcast, we've got iconic race car driver Danica Patrick. 
She's the only woman to have won an IndyCar series race, but she's not sold on the all-female series launching next year. I don't even think I would have tried to, I wouldn't have even taken part in it. Subscribe to This Is Success in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to catch that episode and explore our archive. Please leave us a rating and write a review. It really helps others find the show. This Is Success is a production of Insider Audio.